Hi, everyone. Welcome to our first Facebook Live. This is fun and exciting. I feel like a, a senior trying to learn how to navigate these types of systems. But today is really special because as many of you all have probably been uh, stressed or trying to figure out what can you do differently, how can you plan for your child's success in this upcoming school year, you may have gone through a range of emotions. I will be completely transparent and say I panicked um, when we as a household decided that our oldest son Liam would uh, do virtual education and shortly thereafter Shelby County Schools also made the announcement that everyone was going to be virtual and just trying to think about our day-to-day -day work and what can we do to make sure our child doesn't fall behind that he's on top of his schoolwork um, but also that he's safe because COVID-19 is still very much so alive and real. And uh, my husband, Eric, is COVID crazy. So he's on the other extreme of not letting people come in our house, do anything. So we just wanted to prepare and I put out a call to Facebook, which is great for that, to see if there are any tutors, proctors, retired educators, everything. I didn't even know what terminology to use. I just know I needed help. And so thank you to all the people who sent me names. Um, everyone that I spoke with was great. And one of the young ladies that I had a great call with uh, last weekend, I felt like she gave me the calm that I needed to move forward. And it's funny because I'm a planner in my natural world, but for some reason this situation has struck me differently and I didn't know how to navigate and what to do. But she gave me great tips about how to plan and not panic. Um, and you know I like alliteration, so I thought, ooh, that's a session. Let's bring her and share that with other, with other people. So without further ado, I hope that we bring you peace. Um, as Miss Stephanie Teresa White gives you all of the information so you can have a successful school year with your children and so that you can plan and pivot and not panic. So, Stephanie, please tell everybody all about your wonderful program and company and give us tips so that we can move forward. Well, thank you, Lori and Erica, so much for having me on as a guest. I'm, I'm very honored. And um, I actually uh, am a former educator. I still am holding a current Tennessee license and I decided that I would start my own tutoring service and my specialty is reading. And I have been working with children now for the past year and have really enjoyed all the wonderful little stars that I have. And when we had our conversation about our, your needs that you, for what you are particularly looking for, I realized that there are a lot of parents that are actually going through this same concern where they are just, it's, it's, it's a change. So what is it that I'm supposed to do in order to prepare my, not only my child, but myself in order to be able to be successful for this school year, because it is, it's going to be different. So because of this, um, we want to make sure that parents are in a position where they can start changing their mindset, alleviating some of that stress so that they are able to plan and not panic. And that pivotal point is all about how they are able to put together a, a, a plan, basically, for what their household is going to look like. So we want to make sure that parents are not, we know that they're going to be feeling a myriad of emotions. They're, you know, will I be able to answer questions that my child has about 
his or her homework assignments? How much responsibility am I actually holding for my child's education if that child is with me for the entire day? What glitches could occur? And am I able to technologically solve those glitches? And then of course, how can I create an educational support system? All of these could potentially be some concerns. So what we want to look at based on uh, the conversations that we have had is the difference among a tutor, a proctor, and a supplemental educator. So of course, we all know that we could Google or look up the definition, but a tutor would be more so someone that is specializing in a particular area. Not always, you do have tutors that are able to tutor in all areas, but some have more of a specialty. Then of course you have the proctor. That's the person who basically is making sure that your child is being monitored and has the um, everything that he or she needs, that the technology is working, they're on the right page, they're following along, they're moving along with the schedule. And then um, the last one that we're looking at is the supplemental educator. Now that may be one that some parents feel a little more comfortable with because they think, okay, well, this is an educator. They'll be able to teach my child. I can just relax and don't worry about anything. The reason we want to make sure that we differentiate among these three is that parents are looking to figure out how they can provide an educational support system for their children and for themselves. And so you may find that people may respond to your request, but they may be more in the supplemental educator phase, but you may have a child who's more independent, closer middle schooler or, or, or a high school student who is able to do a little bit more. So maybe you just need her. So you wanna make sure that you're actually meeting the need based on whatever the ask is. So that's why we wanna make sure that we look at the difference among the tutor, the supplemental educator, as well as the um, proctor. And I thought, what better place for me to be able to do this show than uh, to be somewhere where I'm in the process of setting up so that you can see that everyone is not already at, you know, on the starting line. Everyone is making progress, and you, you don't have to feel rushed, even though we know that it's August the 6th and school is going to begin on August the 31st. You still have time. And so I wanted to be able to provide some things that you could possibly do in order to prepare you, your household, and your children for the upcoming year. So um, let's keep in mind that the most important thing is to make sure that they have a schedule. Whatever schedule that your child is issued from the school, they may have a school day from say eight to three, it may be a half day, but whatever it is, you need to make sure that the schedule is followed. And you may say that's simple Simon kind of thing, but you'd be surprised when we're at home, we feel a little more relaxed and relaxed and oh, I'll get to that a little later, but you for children, it's the structure that they need, especially since they're not actually inside of the school building. The other thing that we wanna make sure that we do is let's try as much as possible to avoid these phrases that we've been coming up. Well, when you go back to school, they will actually be in school. It's just that they will have a different setting. So let's not make it seem as though we're taking anything away from the educational setting that you are providing because they most definitely need that. Um, another thing is we have to make sure that we realize that we set the tone for how this is going to work. So if we are stressed and panicky, which of course is natural, we need to make sure that we kind of move on back and ease up a little bit because our children are gonna take our cues from us, regardless of what age level they are, they take their cues from us. Make sure that you set 
a homework time. Now, of course, I did say a schedule, but let's make sure that you set a homework time. But let's also remember that you need to allow a break between the school day and the actual start of the homework. Because let's take into consideration that your babies, regardless of their age, I still call mine a baby, that they will have been in front of a screen for an extended period of time. So it's likely that they'll need that screen in order to complete the assignment from that day or to complete homework assignments. So if you're screen, you're on screen time when you're in school, screen time for homework, screen time when you are um, having your, your free time or your downtime, the next suggestion that I have is when they do have some downtime, let's make sure they get outside. Let, let's get a little fresh air, go for a walk. They need to break that up and not feel as though it's a monotonous task for them. But um, I, I do wanna caution this for all parents, please make certain that your children are checking in for the attendance portion of that. You know, by law, all students are required to attend a certain number of days. So you don't want on top of you're already trying to get situated with the new virtual schedule that you have, that your child is facing some type of truancy because it looks as though the child has not checked in. So be sure that you're checking in for the attendance. But let's keep in mind um, a couple of other things. Make sure that you designate a workspace for your children. If the house becomes, the whole house becomes school, then it's, it doesn't take on the same tone and the same nature as it would. Just like you all are working from home. Many of our parents are working from home. You have a designated area. We're not just kind of all over the house. We feel that if we have all of our things in one place, we're able to go back to find those items, but you need to be able to differentiate in your home the rooms or the spaces so that the children don't feel as though they're always in school and it just becomes a bit of a challenge for them. So you give them that designated area and when school is over with, have them to come out of that area. So you may not necessarily set it up inside of their room. You may have to have a, another area and it may be good for the reason of making sure that you can kind of hear some things that are going on as well. But let's just make sure that we keep them in a space where school doesn't seem like every time I turn around, it's school, it's school here, it's school there, it's school in the refrigerator, it's school in the bathroom. <laughs> let's just make sure, you know, I've got papers here. I've got So just giving them the opportunity to understand this is my space for school. And once I'm done with this, then I'm going to leave that space. Um, let's see, parents, please be cognizant of and sensitive to the fact that your children are not going to have that socialization aspect of school. And that is so important to them. You know, their little friends are so, so, so important to them. So as adults, we have kind of grown and we've gotten our little network of people and we know who we can and can't trust and all that. They love everybody and they are not able to see everyone. So that goes back again to when you're trying to give them an opportunity to socialize, they will be back on a screen if you have them doing FaceTime or FaceTime play dates. So we want to try to break that up a little bit so that it doesn't feel as though I'm always sitting down, I'm always, and we want them to feel success in, in what's going on as well. Final few things that I would like to offer. Um, and of course, I want to be able to answer any questions that you all may have. So Lori, Erica, stop me at any point if you need to, if you have someone who has a question. Please, this sounds really crazy. Make your children get up and get dressed to go to school. 
they are going to, again, this goes back to that expression. When you go to school, well, since you're not in school, we don't want to give them those outs for not having the school etiquette in their mind. We want to make sure that they are actually getting up, getting ready, prepared. Have them go through the same thing that they would if they were getting up to get ready for the bus, if they were going to pack up their backpack. Well, of course, they don't have to pack the backpack because they'll have a designated area. But you get the point of what I'm saying. I want to make sure that we're, we're helping them to create the school environment because they are in school for 2020, 2021 school year. It is a virtual school year for right now, but they're still in school. And so with that being said, um, I do not have any additional points at this time because I want to leave some time to make sure that people are able to ask questions. And for people who are tuning in, um, that I may have said, please make sure you go register. If you're following me on Facebook Live, make sure you go to the Wonder, W-U-N-D-H-E-R page and like it on Facebook. <laughs> Thank you, Stephanie. I know when you... Well, when you said, does anyone have questions? I mean, Lori and I have all the questions, right? Uh, <laughs> so, you know, this is mostly like us needing to talk to you and letting people watch while we do that as well. But yes, continue to add your questions. Um, and I think one thing that um, I've heard a lot of parents be worried about is they don't want their children to be left behind. They feel like this year will be a year where their children, you know, will lose some learning, which is something, you know, we're already concerned about each year. And of course, every home has their own situation. So if you um, can't work from home, if you're an essential worker and you're still going to work every day. So that is a huge concern for parents. And I know I was talking to one of my besties um, who's in education as well. And she said, you know, and I've heard other educators say our job is we catch the kids up. Like, don't don't worry about that. We will get there, even if that means next year. So what would be some of your advice for parents who are worried about their kids maybe losing some learning over this next however long we might be doing virtual? Um, that's an excellent question. And of course, that is definitely a concern that's paramount with a lot of people. Um, I would say that we don't want to encourage them to be in front of the computer a lot, but there are some apps because the children do like their phones. There are some apps, they're kind of playful, that'll give them an opportunity to not feel as though they're just sitting in school. But then another um, way that we can make sure that we're helping with our children is having conversations. You know, I, I realize that the pandemic is quite unique for us all, but I think there's a blessing in there somewhere because this kind of slows us down just a little bit for us to be able to see where there may be some, some places where we can support our children. And even though you have been yeah. through a long day, there's a lot that's been going on, you're working, you're in front of a screen, but if you are having conversations with your children, ask them questions. Ask them questions that require them to, open-ended questions, so that they are required to create an answer and not just give you a yes or no or maybe. You know, I, I call them the multiple choice questions. A lot of children like those from their parents because they know they don't have to talk for an extended period of time. But make them have conversations, encourage them rather, encourage them to have conversations. Because when they're talking to you, you can see where there may be a lag, you may see where there may be a misunderstanding. Um, something else is have them to explain to you how they were able to arrive at an answer. 
For example, if you're working on an algebra problem, you don't want them to sit down and, and necessarily just do a whole page for you. Explain to mommy how you got that answer. If, if someone and, and that increases the thought process that deals with the math that deals with the, the comprehension that deals with the ability to use your higher order thinking skills. But for the parents who are saying, OK, well, that's great and wonderful and all, but I don't want my child to get behind. What can I do? There are quite a few resources. You can go to Ollie's. I, I try to provide the most economical ways. You can go to Ollie's. You can go to the Dollar Tree. Um, Amazon has quite a few things. And praise the Lord for Amazon drivers because my stuff has been getting here almost every day, like the next day. But there are some activities that you can create, allow for your children to work on. But with this time that we're home for the pandemic, you can utilize family time as educational time. Maybe you have smaller children. I want you to stand up here and you be the teacher and you explain to me after dinner how we do. It, there, there are various ways that you can be able to get your children to interact, but we want children talking as much as possible because that's how you find out what's going on with them as far as what they know, what they may be a little shy about. Because sometimes you'll have children who won't talk because they feel like, well, I don't really know the answer. Well, you're here with mommy and daddy. You don't have to be ashamed. You, you don't have to worry about raising your hand or if your friends know what you're, you're saying. And even as they're doing their virtual lessons, try to encourage them to write down a question so that way either they can research it, you all can look it up together, but you want to show as much support as possible because while we may be concerned, they are looking at it as, well, I don't know what my tone is going to be until mommy and daddy kind of set that tone for me. So that, that's just something that we can do at this point until we can figure out a way to not have them as much on screen time. I think you I think answered you the question. Answered the question. So there was a parent who was asking about a first grader and schools expecting students to be online or virtual for six and a half hours. And we're in the same boat. Our kids are the same age. And so she just was trying to get advice about how do we manage that because their attention span will not allow them to sit that long in a house and be still. Right. So any thoughts about breaking that up for students? Well, if the the school schedule will allow the schedule to be broken up because we don't know how long they're expected to sit in front of that monitor where their teacher is actually present. But yeah. if they yeah. do have some, some shorter periods, let's suppose the class period is 40 minutes and the teacher may talk for say 20 minutes. Maybe you give them like a little five minute break and then they kind of go back in and resume. It just really depends on how the schedule works for, for the children. But we also have to remember that with their attention span not supporting very lengthy time periods and they don't have a classroom setting that they are accustomed to, then we want to make sure that we, we provide some incentives here. Like, I'm really proud of what you've done. You've done such an excellent job. And mommy wants to be able to check that. And let's see if you get a stick. If mommy gives you a sticker on each one of these things, then that means that you have been attentive. You've really put forth the effort. And then maybe come up with something that the child can do at the end of the day or the end of the week. I personally am one of those parents who just waits till the end of the week or the end of the month because I I, I want to feel like you really earned it. But I know with children, they don't really understand the concept of time. So don't do your children that way. But okay. give them the opportunity to have some little incentives to try to encourage them 
to, to stay in that spot. And then also make that space as comfortable as you possibly can, but with as few distractions as possible. You know, you may have like the comfy pillows and everything, but you still need to make sure that with the comfy pillow, there's still a straight back on it so that they're not leaning and lounging and then falling asleep. You want to make sure that there are toys present. And, and as much as humanly possible, things that don't make a lot of noise, because, you know, of course, I'm sure the teachers will have you to mute them, but I don't know that all teachers will do that. They may want to kind of hear the interaction and the feedback that the uh, children have. So maybe the NC. Mm -hmm. That's good. So thoughts about, good. I heard you mention um, socialization and them wanting to be with their friends and spend time with their friends. Any suggestions on how parents can do that, what that can look like um, to make sure they're getting it and how important that is? I think there's been, you know, people on both sides saying they'll be fine. Let's focus on their education. They don't really need to socialize. They're young. They'll be fine. Tell me your thoughts about that. So I, I think that it's extremely key and important because, again, they are accustomed to having that time with their friends when they get up in the morning and they're waiting on the bus or they're on the bus or they're riding in the car and then they meet their friends outside in order to go inside. And then they have that time at the cafeteria table to talk to their friends. So it really is important. A couple of suggestions that I have uh, with that is when it's lunchtime, if you and your children, if your children have friends that, of course, are on the same schedule that they are, when it's lunchtime, set up a video chat. Let them be able to talk to each other because they have been sitting down for a long time. But, of course, make sure that lunch is in a separate room from the school room that you have created. So that opportunity maybe to do like a little virtual chat and maybe you do that as an incentive. Maybe you get a chance to chat with your friend on Fridays because you've earned all these stickers. Also, um, I know the parents are very concerned, as they should be, about the safety of their children, which is why many, even though there was an option to possibly go to school or to do virtual, had decided not to send their children back to school before the decision was made all virtual. So you want to make sure that your children are safe. Maybe you can create what I call the bubble. Like I have a little bubble and that's just a very few people that I feel that I, I kind of know their work schedules. I know what they're doing. I, I commend, I am so excited for our essential workers and I appreciate them, but my child's not going to be around any essential workers because I realize that they are on the front line. So I, I don't want, <laughs> you know, I just don't want them to have that exposure. So that's the reason why, you know, we can we can have conversations, we can call auntie so-and-so, whatever, but we want to make sure that we are we are pulling together an educational support group. So it may be other parents who are in your child's classroom who share similar concerns. So you may know, all right, well, maybe what we can do is we can all get together and you may get together in somebody's yard. And you be on one side and you be on the other side. The children are all excited. They want to see each other. That is awesome. So maybe you just get some balloons and everybody just hits them up in the air. I hit mine up higher than you did. You're on your side. I'm on my side. It's not to sound preposterous, but I mean, who would have ever thought that we'd be in this situation anyway? So we want to keep them safe. We want to make sure that they are not feeling isolated. And that's something that I want to make sure that parents are very, very, very in tune with a change in your children's behavior, a change in maybe even their language, because children sometimes can say, oh, well, I'm sad. 
And we may think, oh, well, they'll be okay, but you don't want them to, to go too far down that rabbit hole if you're not understanding what it is. And, and knowing that we're in this situation, children don't always completely understand. So some children, you want to talk to them, make sure that they understand. You're, it's not that you're not going to school because you're being punished. It's not that you've done something wrong. It's not that people don't like you. Everybody's at home. No one is going inside the school building. And it's because of a situation that's going on right now, but we prayerfully will get back to normal soon. But in the meantime, we're still going to school. We'll still find some ways that we can be able to see our friends. So um, just depending on, because I know we have, uh, some of our children have siblings and that kind of eases it a little bit, but if your siblings have an age gap, they may, like if, if I am, say my son is five, so let's suppose I had a 12-year-old. The 12-year-old and the five-year-old are not going to have a whole lot of interest. Of course, they're going to love each other and want to support each other, but just making sure that you are keeping an eye on the emotional state of your children so that they're not just getting so super bored and so displeased with the situation. So we wanna to try to make it pleasant, which goes back to my original point when I said, let's be careful of the language that we use when we say, well, when you go back to school or, you know, we wanna make sure that they're understanding that everybody's going through this. And that's what parents need to realize. We're all going through the same pandemic at the same exact time. So you don't have to be perfect as a virtual home educator. You don't have to be perfect at, and what you're doing because this is not what you've had training in. So since we're all in it together, let's try to figure out how we can support each other as best we can. Yes, I love that you say that and I love that you are speaking directly to the parents because one thing I do want us to maybe spend a few minutes is thinking about how to level set for parents as well. I've been really sad kind of the backlash that our educators have started to receive. So they've gone from heroes to, you know, the worst people and the school systems are making terrible decisions, knowing that, again, we've none of us have experienced this pandemic before um, and things have changed so quickly. So there's not really, you know, a playbook for us to follow. So what are some things as far as expectations maybe that parents need to go in, even with how they communicate with their teachers, what they should expect from educators, um, the support. Um, I know what this week maybe in Nashville, I think the online system crashed the first day, you know, and a lot of people were upset about that. So what are some things that we can kind of do to level set our expectations, again, to be able to keep our emotions in check as we engage with our children? Excellent question. So subconsciously, I think, 99.7% of the parents, when they are delivering their, their beloved children to the school, they trust where their children are going to be. They trust the people there to a certain degree. They're trusting them. So now you have to keep in mind that while your child may not be going into the building with that teacher, you trusted that teacher in that school prior to this pandemic. Let's put a little bit of faith and, and trust into the educators as far as what they're doing. Again, they were not aware that this was going to occur. No one was prepared for it. So as, they're, as you're moving forward, let's be very realistic. And I, I believe in being realistic with what our expectations can be. Yes, there's a possibility that the hotspots that are delivered may not necessarily work. That it could be any, anything could happen. You know, it could be 
I don't know, you know, the pandemic has too many little sparkles in the air. I don't know. But let's just be prepared that that's a possibility. Before you panic, make sure that you have either submitted some questions and they may, the school system may have already prepared and have some of these questions answered for you. But if not, what are we supposed to do in the event that our Wi-Fi or internet is not working. And I'm not talking about parents necessarily who already have Wi-Fi in their homes. I'm talking about those who are being issued a way to be able to assist their children because they did not have them or they did not have devices. Who do we need to contact in the event that a device is not working? And what is the turnaround time on that? Will my child be penalized if the work is not turned in, if there's something that's going on with the computer that you have issued me? Also, um, you want to make sure that, again, back to that attendance thing, be sure to find out what is the, the procedure in the event that you're not able to get on in order to do your, your check-in for the attendance. Now, with that being said, let's also give our educators a little bit of a break from the standpoint of just like you're in this situation, they are too. They have to make the best possible plan for our children, they're not just my kids, it's not your kids, these are our children. They have to make the best possible plan for our children to be successful because not only do they have to look at the fact that, let, let's, let's take this into consideration, the children really did not go to school more than two and a half months. August, they were supposed to have gone to school. Okay, so they went to school in August. September, we had holiday, we had a holiday or two in there. October, they had a fall break. November, we had Thanksgiving. December, we had Christmas, New Year's, and then they just didn't go back to school. So <laughs> the parents have to realize that the teachers are going to have um, a very challenging, I'm not going to say overwhelming because they can do it. They're going to have a very challenging uh, task before them because not only do they have to teach what is supposed to be taught this year, but they also have to be able to supplement what the child missed from the previous year. So there are a lot of people to take into consideration. So with that, we all can be a bit impatient. Be the first to raise my hand. So make sure that you ask questions and ask for the deadline you want to have some that you want them to have some deliverables for you so make sure that when you ask these questions of okay so how soon can we expect an answer or how, what is the best method of communicating with you how often because keep in mind if the parents do not have a telephone number that they can call then they're going to be forced to rely on email well if you weren't actually utilizing technology in your home a lot then email may be something that may not be at your fingertips at that point because the device that you would have used to email may not be there. Now, there's also that concern, well, the, the point of, well, parents were supposed to register online. How did they register at that point? It's neither here nor there how parents were able to get to it. The point is, right now, we need some reliable Wi-Fi and technology. So I, I just want people... And in addition to our parents, because I know we will have some educators and hopefully they will communicate this message. Let's make sure that we're not focusing on the what abouts so that we can get to the how we can get it done. You know, well, well how did you do that? Well, what about this? We don't want to focus on that. We want to focus on what can we do in order to move this needle forward so that we can help our children. 
Steffi, we have Steffi, a question, we have a question. Here, but I also have the same question is, uh, Ms. Terry, her question is, are parents trained to homeschool if they desire to do so? And the supplemental question is, when you are having these conversations with the supplemental educator, tutor, proctor, what should we be asking? What should we be looking for? Well, I can be a little stringent. <laughs> you know, your subjects and verbs better agree. You need to make sure you're speaking to me. You know, okay, so let's let's be human because every now and then people might slip, but you know, I'm trying to bring that standard back to education. Um, but when you're bring looking <laughs> when you're looking, you're looking for someone who one has the time and they're not looking at this as just a way to make them a little extra money on the side. And, and that will be apparent. It, it will come out if you're talking to people long enough. You wanna make sure that you're looking for someone who has some type of experience with children. We have parents who don't really, they love their kids, they don't wanna be at home with them all day. So you want someone who, who has experience with children and who is able to really be able to have that patience and be able to answer those questions. If you're even interviewing someone, you may say, well, what, what experience have you had with children? Do you have any children of your own? You also wanna make sure that you find someone whose schedule may not make conflict with yours. Because if they have children, they may not be able to work with your child and their own child. And you wanna most definitely ask that question because you don't wanna sign up for something. They say, oh, I just thought I'd bring my baby along so he can do his work. I don't know where y'all been, stay at the house. Um, <laughs> You also, I forgot how recording this. Okay, but anyways, <laughs> you wanna make sure that you have, um, with your, your educators or tutors, you wanna have someone who either would bring to the table some materials that they could use once they find out. Like if I know that you have a first grader, I may have some things, or I may have actually looked up some things or be able to come up with some things to do with your child to supplement what they're doing to help to explain or to reinforce what's going on. Now that's what you're with your supplemental educator, even with your tutor, the same thing. But keep in mind, a tutor would not be with your child for an extended period of time. They would only be with your child for maybe one, maybe two hours tops. So you have to be realistic in what you can expect from that person. I, they can make a huge impact, but they wouldn't be with them for the duration. Whereas the educational, um, the supplemental educator would, as well as the proctor would. But um, I don't know how deep you wanna get into it, but you wanna make sure the person has reliable transportation. You wanna make sure that um, the person has um, the ability to communicate with you regularly because you want to know what's going on with your child. Not to say that you didn't want to know when the child was going into the building, but now that that is a one-on-one -on -one type of thing, you really want to make sure that you know what's going on with your child and that person has no issue with communicating that with you because it's important. So you want to look for someone who has some experience with education or they have experience with children um, they have children of their own, um, even somebody who has um, younger siblings. You know, they, they've had to step in that role to be able to make sure that things are being done. So those are some possibilities, but you definitely want to have someone who has patience and who exhibits that patience. And there's, you can even come up with a scenario to give them. So, you know, 
And especially if you have more than one, you know, like if you create like an educational group where you and a couple of other parents come together and your children are there. Well, I mean, my child might be a little antsy and my child might be really, really quiet and you don't really notice unless they say something. But you want someone who can actually show the attention to all of the children, kind of like the grandmother. You know how the grandmother can make every child feel like they're the only grandchild? That kind of that kind of feel. Or that means you have to have somebody who is older. You know, there are people who are younger who can do that as well. Yeah. Or some grandparents who might want to step up. Uh oh. What did you say, Erica? I said, or some grandparents who may want to step up. I, I see a few of y'all are in the, the live chat, so not any of the glamours that I know, but <laughs> <laughs> then can you touch on the pods? You introduced that um topic and I know that has been many discussions. Many people have signed up for that as a solution. Um, even centers I think like the Croc Center are offering these smaller pods for students to come. And I know I've had a group of friends who talked about doing a pod and three or four others from different schools have talked about it. What should we be attentive to when we do the pods? Um, and thinking that it's three to five kids, or is there, a, is there a good formula for that? Well, depending on your age level, um, the age levels can vary, but if they are varied, I would not suggest that you do more than uh, five. And even if you have children who are all the same age level, let's suppose all of us have children who attend the same school and maybe we live kind of close by each other. And we decide, okay, we're gonna use Stephanie's home as a designated area in order to be able to say, okay, this is where we're gonna have our, our educational spot. So you'll have someone who will come in. In that particular instance, unless you have some older children, middle schoolish kind of, you may not necessarily need an educational, um, a supplemental educator, but I just personally feel that you want to have someone who is working with the children because, again, there's a big, we already have talked about how there's an educational divide, and we don't want that divide to get larger. And then the fact that they did not get a chance to really attend school last year, and now they're getting ready to start new material that they may not have a foundation for previously. So I think as much as humanly possible, let's try to get some of these retired, newly retired uh, teachers or glamas, as you say, in into our, our educational support group. And basically, you're just having a person who's there who's looking up. Okay, now did you do that right? I don't think that's what your teacher said. Let's look back through the notes. Let's see what we can find. Well, you know, y'all like to Google. Let's Google that or let's YouTube it and see what you know. There are many resources, but the, the, the deal is you have an adult there standing there with you. Not to say that our children are not responsible because they're going growing into responsible adults but we want to monitor them <laughs> to make sure that and i say that facetiously but i i had a friend who actually was telling me about how her child was looking on youtube as something and this little strange thing popped up so we want to monitor you know it's i don't know if it's like the algorithm that knows when you're looking at certain things and then they just kind of fed it in there but i'm looking at something about cheerleading and all of a sudden some little strange doll, strange thing pops up and my child is now looking at that <laughs> instead of what she's supposed to be looking at. So again, right. having an adult who is able to contribute to the educational conversation, that's what you're looking for. So yeah, that the children- have a question. 
We have a question that relates to that. Uh, Gia asked, how do you, or what's the best way to support a high school student to make sure they remain engaged? Because I think most of the conversation has been on smaller children because they are like, oh, their attention span. But, you know, as kids get older, uh, the same challenges, I think, are presented. So how can you better support a high school student? I think the socialization aspect is even greater with high school students. So if you are able to find maybe two other people who are, are, are willing to come together so that they still have that socialization aspect, because in the school system, they have them working in groups anyway. So if you're able to find some people who are okay with doing that, then that will work better because um, that will work better for the teenage child because they would teenage student. I apologize because they would have that chance to talk, socialize. Let's bounce ideas off of each other. Let's hold each other accountable to make sure. Did you finish your assignment for so and so's class? Because they they did that in school. Now some of them might have been getting somebody's paper and saying, "Let me copy it." But of course, we don't do that. But we want to make sure that they they do have that chance for that socialization aspect because as teenagers, that need for um, approval and having friends and you know that's important to them. So. I think that if you could find a group that would be able to support each other, and even if they have a space where they can socially distance themselves, that would be a great way for them to actually get their children in line with um, understanding that this, this is my norm at this point, but I also have an opportunity to be able to see my friends, but still stay safe so that the parents feel okay about that. Yes. And I think, Stephanie, another part of that question also from Gia was, okay, so this all sounds good. We're planning, but how do we do this while balancing the need to work as well? And I think that's why a lot of people have been coming up with the pods as an option. But for those of us who work, even if we're at home, but we can't be over them, or even if we can't be at home, how do we kind of balance all these different things we want to put into place and balance it with the need to work as well. If it's possible for those who are working from home, if it's possible to create your school space and workspace together, keep in mind that the children can always put on headphones. And I would suggest now, while, it, while it's still early, don't wait until the week of or the weekend before, Get a big sheet of, I don't know, one of those little sticky things that you can put on the wall, the, the big sticky notes that they have. And, and you and your child come up with the schedule together. Okay, we know that the school day is going to look like you're probably going to be in school from, say, 8 to 3. And that's at the, at the long end. Let's look at what that looks like for us. When do you think that you'll need a break? Go ahead and kind of plan what that would look like. And then you can alter it once you get the child's school schedule but come up with things for the child to do in the interim. Also, keep in mind that since we're all at home, our chores should increase. I mean, you know, we're using up more electricity, we're using up more clothes, we're using up more dishes. We, so our chores should considerably increase at this point because keep in mind, yes, you are working, but I'm, mommy's working too. So you should be able to create, maybe just have like a big, I'm a planner. I always put a whole bunch of stuff up. So like literally my child has a list of things that he has been doing 
since we have been out of school. Now, even when he was in school, he had a list and he would check off what he has done. So maybe he is, so he has on there, I think like recite the books of the Bible. Um, he needs to know how to spell all of the states. He needs to know, um, you know, different things. He works on a Spanish activity, but these are things that he can go and do on his own when he has some downtime. My child doesn't watch television, so you can only imagine how I feel sometimes. <laughs> I just want to put him in front of the TV and like just sit there. But um, I, he talks a lot, and and I'm thankful for that. But again, it's because he has this list, and so he'll say, "Mommy, I need something to do." Oh, you've got plenty to do. Do you want to do something off your chore list or do you want to do something off your task list? Either one. But when you do it, you get a little mark next to it. And the incentive is because he loves watching movies and eating popcorn. He gets to do that on a Friday night. So that that's his incentive because he knows, OK, I need to do all these things because I want him to realize that he has to be he has to hold some responsibility for his education as well. It's not just on the teacher. It's not just on mommy and daddy. You have to have some responsibility, too. So for the parents who are saying, how do I balance this? If it's possible to create a workspace with your I mean, a, a school space with your workspace. Go ahead now, you and your child kind of sit down and write down for the younger kids. What do you like to do? I want to play blocks. Okay, well, you write blocks over there on the side, create a schedule, put free time. And then if there's a possibility that you could put blocks right here, you could, but you have to be careful because you don't want to have blocks being done at 11 o'clock when you're in the middle of a conference call. So maybe you get to do the blocks like at three o'clock or four o'clock. Those are things that we, we need to think about because we have to combine those schedules. So, well, not necessarily come, kind of meld them together because we want to make sure that they don't feel like I'm being punished to sit in this spot and you don't want to feel like you're confining your child and you don't want to feel like your child is being loud and disruptive while you're trying to work. So um, for the parent who was asking about how to do that, it's really just about right now, now that you kind of have a little bit of time where you can you can kind of think on it, but don't think on it too long. Put the ideas on paper, write out your vision in order for it to be plain for a little later on, because if not, you'll feel overwhelmed and we don't want any parent to feel that way at all. And it could be that you and another parent get together and you all create a schedule. Maybe I'm a better planner than you are. Well, tell me something, but you're more creative. Oh, you know, my child does arts and crafts and I don't want any glue, Play-Doh or anything close to my carpet. My Yeah, you, you wouldn't even know that I had kids, but I have friends who are very creative and can come up with things that don't involve glue or Play-Doh. And I, I appreciate that. So that helps me with my scheduling. So sometimes it's it's about taking yourself out of that silo in order to, again, remember we're all in the same situation and we can support each other. Yes. yes. I love that. I think I'm still stuck on the screen time. I'm like, I don't know what have survived this whole COVID, but but we're gonna get to it. We're trying to wean them off of it now. It's like, okay, y'all, we're getting back into the school routine and know this until after a certain time. But but no, those are very helpful tips and and I appreciate the kind of logistics behind the planning part as well. Yes, very helpful. I think. You know, having someone reframe your thinking and just saying, just step back and plan because 
we weren't thinking about that. We just were like, what is this going to be? What is this going to look like? And how are we going to manage it with work and school? But I think all that you are sharing is very helpful, at least for me. I hope everyone else that is listening is helping you find your peace and your calm. But you were going to say something else. What were you going to share? One final quick thing. We are checking on our children. Let's check on our parent friends, even if they are not, you know, sometimes we have our little group and we all stay together. But if you know that you have coworkers who have children, you know, maybe check in with them. Say, hey, how's it going with the virtual? Um, you know, here's an idea. And just maybe just get, you don't want to overwhelm, give them a whole bunch of information. You know, so one thing that I found that was really helpful was, and just drop a little nugget because, again, with everyone feeling the weight of this, we want to make sure no one feels alone. And we want to make sure that no one allows themselves to be alone because we have to make sure that we're keeping up with our kids. Mm-hmm. So check on your parents. I do want to ask your thoughts before we close, just about, um, I know a lot of people have been talking about bringing back the village and how COVID-19 has really pushed us to rely on each other more and in different ways than we have before. But if you think about it, in years prior, people did this all the time, right? If something like this happened, your neighbor or someone on your street was going to take in all the kids. Whoever was available was like, I can take it, it's not a big deal. Can you talk about what that looks like today and how do we make sure we're restoring the village as we prepare our kids for success? So with that being said, I love that. I love the idea of returning to the village because we wanted, you know, once upon a time we had the walkable neighborhoods. Everybody knew whose son lived in what house and whose little girl was going to be on the street when she was riding her little bicycle, her little pigtail. Oh, you know, that's uh, Brother John's daughter or, oh, you know, that's Mr. Lee's son. I think we're returning to that. And I think, again, the pandemic is bringing about some little blessings in here. I know that we want to stay safe with our children. So as we're returning with our village, let's make sure that we are trying to help and let's keep an eye out for our kids because at some point our children are going to be tired outside. So when they're outside playing and and we have to we have to make sure that we are receptive to people giving constructive criticism or should I say constructive correction? If I see that your child is just a little too close to that that edge and he, you know, we know cars come through here quickly, you know, maybe you yell out there, hey, come on back off the sidewalk. But you know, you have to be, even now, you have to be careful in the language that you use so that you don't say, hey, come here. And then somebody thinks you're trying to pull their child into the house or whatever. But we have to get to a point where let's let's take it upon ourselves if we don't know at least one or two of our neighbors We need to do that. Even if your neighbors do not have children, just knowing who lives at what house, making sure that you have that person's telephone number and or address. I'm real paranoid. I write down people's license plate numbers too, because if you have somebody who is just not, you know, Lord, we had this conversation. I already told you, I'm just a little bit. But let's make sure are supporting each other because we're looking out for our kids. We're making sure that our children are safe because they're not too close to the street. We're making sure that they're safe because they're not being disrespectful when they talk to each other or talk to adults and say, well, you know, you, you we could probably say that a little differently because sometimes you do have parents like, don't say that to my child. We, as we're returning to our village, 
let's make sure that we are understanding that in a situation like this, people will be on edge. And, and sometimes people mean absolutely no harm. So let's not take offense to things that people are saying. Let's not always take offense to the way that people react. But let's always remember that at the bottom, at, at the bottom line is we want to make sure our kids are okay. Whether you have children or not, we want you looking out for the kids, making sure they're okay, and making sure that you get to know at least one or two of your neighbors. Maybe one that's kind of close by you, maybe one that's a little bit down the street, so that if you know, you know, this, this is my baby. Oh, we see you have kids. Put your mask on. Go down there. Stand across the street on the sidewalk. Pull your mask down. Let them see your face. You know, something, but just making sure that we are wrapping our arms around our children so we are collectively wrapping our arms around our community because it's going to take all of us to be able to do this. It's going to take the teachers. It's going to take the parents. It's going to take the children. It's going to take our faith leaders. It takes all of us to be able to do this. So I know the burning question for any of those who are listening is, do you have any resources as in human resources, people who might can step in and help. You've given us all this wonderful information and knowledge. Website. Actually, I am working on a good list for you all. So what I'm going to do is and keep in mind that some of these people I know, some have been referred, but of course, the people that I know may not necessarily be the people that you know. So it's, it would, of course, be incumbent upon you to make sure that you interview people, maybe even do a group interview, you and your parents that want to come together because you may be asking questions based on your need, but another parent asking questions about the, the child's need that, that they have may come up with a question that you may not have thought to ask. So, you know, doing the, the Zoom interviews with the parents, I mean, with the uh, tutors or educational supplemental editors, um, just making mm -hmm. sure that you are able to pull together your questions. But with this list that I'm putting together, I will provide that to you. And I, I hope to have that to you with confirmed telephone numbers and email addresses no later than this coming Thursday. And it will probably be sooner, but I just like to project out just in case. So this coming That's Thursday. Good. So, of course, That's it's Thursday now, so it's a week from now. That sounds excellent. So all of you all who are still trying to let go of your panic and plan and pivot, the resources are coming your way soon. <laughs> and for those who want to do those vision board parties, do a planning party. Hey, get together and, and get that done. Erica did the same thing. Both of you are like... <laughs> Well, I Yes. It's like, oh, I can do that. Yes. <laughs> Stay tuned for your invitation. That'll be probably right. next week. <laughs> Any final comments, questions? Uh, well, I just know that we are going to have a successful year because we're not going to put greater expectations on ourselves than we should. And we are going to support each other. We're going to support our children. We're going to stay away from phrases that would cause our children to think that they are not in school. And we're going to plan. And we're just going to just enjoy the family aspect that this pandemic is allowing us to enjoy. I think that was great. I think that was great. So Stephanie, we appreciate you taking the time to share your knowledge and information 
bring peace in the homes of all the parents who are trying to figure out how to navigate this upcoming school year and reframe our thinking so that we can pivot and plan uh, and not panic and make sure our kids are modeling our behavior so they can have a great year as well. Eric, anything for you? Just thank you. Thank you to everyone who was able to Thank you to all the educators who have also been like our default planners and helping us get through this time of panic as well. We do appreciate you and prayerfully we will have a great year for our children. So thank y'all so much for joining us. That's right. Have a good evening. <laughs> Bye. Thank you.